Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're in a series studying the wonderful nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're, today we're going to look at the gift of faith and the working of miracles and, and compare them and see what the difference is between them. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. First of all, it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith, the gift of faith by the same Spirit, to other gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. And here we see those three power gifts, faith, working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And uh, we started looking at the gift of faith last time. Uh, which is the highest, the one that's mentioned first, the highest of the three power gifts. And all these power gifts, it's special ways in which God's power is manifested to change things in the natural order. And so we saw that this gift could be called the gift of special faith, because this is faith that goes beyond our normal general faith, that we all can receive through the Word of God. There are promise, general promises to all believers, and that gives us that general faith. But this is something special for special situations that goes beyond what we are promised in the Bible. It's a portion of God's own faith, supernaturally imparted to our heart by the Spirit of God, enabling us to believe God and trust God for a specific result in a specific situation in a way that would be impossible for us to do just with our normal general Bible faith because the general promises in the Bible don't cover that specific situation in that way. And so we would have no basis for, for faith unless we had a special word from the Holy Spirit, a special manifestation of the Spirit, which imparted a divine faith to our heart. And so the gift of faith is also called the faith of God in Mark 11.22, where Jesus said, have faith in God. That's literally, have the faith of God. Have be open to receive divine faith when God wants to do something that's beyond your normal faith. Since the gift of faith is a supernatural operation, a, a, a portion of God's own faith, not our own faith, it only operates as the Spirit wills. As Corinthians says, one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So the gift of faith is a small portion of God's own faith imparted to our heart by the Holy Spirit, enabling us to believe God for something specific, so that we know with a full assurance that God will bring something to pass, even though we don't have a scripture to base our faith on. It's a supernatural manifestation of God's own faith, enabling us to believe and something, uh, receive something that we couldn't otherwise believe or receive. And so it's imparted by a supernatural word from the Spirit of God to our hearts. And it's designed to create a channel on earth through which God's power can flow and accomplish something in the earth that God wants done. We need to make ourselves available for that with a surrendered heart to God. We saw last week that the gift of faith is not natural faith. It's the kind of faith a farmer has when he plants his crops and believes that there will be a harvest. Um, that's based on the regularity of the laws of nature. It's also different from the saving faith that we received, through which we receive salvation through believing the gospel. It's also different from
from our general Bible faith and the fruit of faithfulness in our lives, which grow in our life after salvation. But again, it's very much our own faith, our own faithfulness under our control. But the gift of faith is as the Spirit wills. And we also saw that it's different from ministry faith, the faith to operate in our ministry as a member of the body of Christ. So this is something different. The gift of faith is special faith, enabling us to believe beyond the word of God in a specific situation. And by this faith, we can receive and release the power of God to accomplish something in the natural realm, something specific that's well beyond what could be accomplished through our normal faith. And so today we're going to study how the gift of faith and the working of miracles operate by looking at examples in the Bible of these gifts in action. And we need to understand how these two different gifts differ from each other in their operation. Now, what is a miracle? A miracle is when the normal course of nature, of the natural order, is, is overturned uh, by a supernatural intervention of the power of God. And both the gift of faith and the working of miracles release God's power to accomplish a miraculous change in the natural order uh, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So what's the difference between these gifts? That's what we want to know. It must be in the way they, not in necessarily their results, but in the way they operate through us. And, and here's the difference. Whereas with a gift of faith, a man receives the miracle, with the working of miracles, the man works the miracle, just as the name suggests, the working of miracles. So this implies with the working of miracles, there must be some physical act of obedience that's required, which releases God's power through that man. Whereas with the gift of faith, the power of God is received, simply received by faith, and it's released purely by a spoken word of faith but no physical action is involved. Now there's a classic example that shows the difference, the contrast between these two gifts in action, producing effectively the same results. And these show this is through the two ways that God can supernaturally protect and deliver us from danger, and in particular from hungry lions. Uh, Let's look at one way in Judges chapter 14. We read what happened when Samson was attacked by a lion. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, about to eat him up. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. So here we see that Samson was not operating in his natural strength because it says that the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. The spirit of might came on him, empowering him to tear the lion apart. We know when he lost his anointing later on because of his sin, he, he had no special strength that others didn't have. But when his hair grew back, then that anointing enabled him to pull the pillars of the temple down. So it was his anointing. It's not because he worked out at the gym. All right, and so this is a classic example of the working of miracles. For God's power came upon him and gave him supernatural strength. And that strength was released and transmitted through his action. He had to grab that lion and he had to tear it apart. And so the miracle was worked through him, through his action. Now, Daniel in the lion's den faced a similar challenge. Here's some hungry lions. 
they would have been kept on a diet so they were really hungry and normally what would have happened is he'd be swallowed up in a few minutes but God delivered him but in a completely different way and God delivered him through a gift of faith not through the working of miracles like with Samson let's read that in Daniel 6 so the king gave the command and they gave and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions then the king rose very early in the morning so he is in there overnight and the king is expecting Daniel to obviously not to be very much left of him but he was very anxious that maybe God somehow would have delivered Daniel we, so we hear that the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so they have not hurt me. And then the king was exceeding glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. And what we see is it's not just that a miracle was done for Daniel, but that miracle came through Daniel's faith. He trusted in God. Now that's a supernatural faith. I don't care how much Bible study and how much prayer you've done, if we throw you in a den of lions you know, you're not going to be able to just lie down and take a, a nice little nap and, and be all assured. You know, that was a supernatural faith that was imparted because there are, isn't a promise of God that says if you're ever thrown to a lion that, that you won't be eaten. You know, you, you, you need a supernatural gift of faith to, to have that assurance. And so Daniel trusted in his God. He just went to sleep. He was fully assured that God would keep him safe. He didn't attack the lions. He didn't do anything with the lions. He just trusted God that God's power would deliver him from the lions. And through his faith, through that supernatural gift of faith, the angel was released to, to protect him. And it says, the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. That's how hungry the lions were. And so that demonstrates that there, it wasn't their lack of appetite that saved Daniel, but it was a supernatural deliverance. In this case, you see, unlike with Samson, Daniel didn't do anything to accomplish his miracle. The Bible simply says he trusted God. And as a result, the angel was sent in response to his faith. And this is a classic example of the gift of faith, receiving the miracle apart from any human effort. God, Daniel had nothing to do except just sleep. And that took a lot of faith, to just sleep. Supernatural faith was in, in put in his heart enabling him to trust God with a quiet confidence of the final outcome. And as in this case, the gift of faith often causes a continuous, sustained miracle over a period of time. Now, this was a gift of faith. This is not Daniel's normal faith. Like I said, I don't care how spiritual you are. If we put you in a den of lions, you, you are not going to just relax and go to sleep. You don't have the 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 ba biblical basis just to just to believe God like that you would need a, an impartation of God's faith to operate in the kind of faith that Daniel did 
Well, the result of this was that God was glorified. The king made a proclamation throughout the empire. He said, I make a decree in every dominion of my kingdom that men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders. That's the power gifts in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? And so here we see the ultimate purpose of the gifts is that God would be glorified. Yes, men would be saved and helped, but ultimately that God would be glorified, especially through these power gifts, these signs and wonders. Both Samson and Daniel get a mention in Hebrews 11 for their faith in overcoming lions. It says, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of Daniel and David and Samuel and the prophets and that includes Daniel, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth, mouths of lions. And so there they are. They get a place for receiving God's faith and operating in that faith. Because you do have a choice whether you yield to the gifts or not. So whereas in the working of miracles, God empowers you to do it, with a gift of faith, God does it on your behalf, through your faith, so that no human effort or strength is required. With the working of miracles, it's you, you act, you fight, with God's power flowing through you. But with the gift of faith, you just receive it and declare the victory, and God fights for you. God does it all for you while you trust him. You believe it in your heart, you speak it with your mouth, and God does it. That's the gift of faith. Let's look at another example that shows the contrast but in similar types of miracles between these two gifts in action. And that's the pr miraculous provision of water from the rock. Uh, in the first year of the Exodus, in Exodus 17, God tells Moses, because they needed water, he says, take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river, the Nile, and go, and behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. And Moses did so. And when Moses brought forth the water from the rock at Rephidim by striking it with his rod, this was the working of miracles because of the physical action. The miracle was designed to be a picture of salvation because Christ is the rock of our salvation. And he was struck with the rod of God's rod of judgment at the cross. And as a result, the waters of life flow freely to us. Praise God. What a wonderful picture. And because of this typology, when God... Uh, near uh, the 40th year, 39 years later, he wanted to release water once more from the rock. Um, he didn't want to do it the same way with Moses striking the rock, because that would imply that each time we need a blessing, Christ has to suffer again. He'd have to be sacrificed again and again. But that would mean that his sacrifice on the cross was not perfect and complete. So this time, God told Moses just to speak to the rock. Not to strike it, but to speak to it. That's an important difference. So here in Numbers 20 it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rock from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels! Must we bring water for you out of this rock? I want you to notice now that Moses had allowed himself to get angry with the people. 
God had not shown any signs of anger, but now Moses was angry. You rebels, must we do this again for you? Now, God just asked Moses to get speak to the rock and get the water. But Moses vented his personal anger and frustration with the people. And by doing that, he misrepresented God. And that's a serious mistake and sin. In fact, it was the biggest, it led to the biggest mistake of his life. It would cost him dear. It actually cost him his right to enter the promised land with Israel. God had given him, you see, a special word of faith that he would release water from the rock by just speaking. And that was the gift of faith. All he needed to do was speak it. And that gift of faith, the power would have been released. The water would have flowed. And all he had to do is receive that word in his heart. And through that word, supernatural faith was imparted to his heart. He just had to speak the word in agreement with God. And the water would have been released from the rock. The speaking is important because we have authority on the earth and we, in a way, authorize it by our words. We get in agreement with God. And the water would have flowed and this would have been a great example of the gift of faith in operation. But sadly, that didn't happen. Because of the anger welling up in Moses, it caused him to disobey God and he struck the rock rather than speaking to it. We read, Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. So in his love for his people, even though Moses disobeyed, God still let the water release the water. But it was accomplished by the working of miracles rather than the gift of faith. But God was not well pleased with Moses because Moses had spoiled the typology, the picture of salvation. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me or to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. You see, what God wanted to convey through these two water from the rock miracles is that God has done all the work for our salvation once and for all when Christ was struck for us on the cross with God's rod of judgment. And so now, when we need the water of life, Christ doesn't have to be struck again. But rather, we just have to speak to the rock. That is, we just need to call on the Lord Jesus. For, to Call on the rock. Call on the Lord Jesus for our salvation. And then the rivers of life will flow into our heart through our faith. Let's look at another example of the difference between these two, two power gifts in action. And in both cases, they create miraculous bodily trans, um, transportation. You know, modern athletes are getting faster and faster all the time, but I reckon in God's heavenly records, Elijah has many of the world speed records because of the working of miracles in his life. After his great victory over the priests of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah prayed for an outpouring, a great outpouring of rain on the land, and that represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he kept sending his servant to the top of Mount Carmel to look for signs of rain. And we read that it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Actually, this should have been translated. There is a small cloud like a man's hand rising up out of the sea. In other words, the cloud that he saw was shaped like a hand, signifying that the hand of the Lord was about to come on the land. 
So it goes on and says, Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was heavy rain. And Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You see, Elijah's intercession had brought the hand of the Lord, pictured by that cloud, the hand of the Lord was coming back on the nation. So it was only fitting now that the hand of the Lord came first on Elijah, energizing him to run faster than the king's chariot, to outrun the horses. This was the working of miracles, because God empowered Elijah to run. But Elijah had to do the running. But it was supernatural running. It was a, the miracle was accomplished through human action. God's power flowed through his body, enabling him to miraculously outrun the horses over a distance of a few miles across the valley of Jezreel. Now, as impressive as this working of miracles was, and I would love to have seen that, it's not as great as the supernatural transportation Elijah received on many occasions through the gift of faith. In fact, this happened so often that whenever Elijah couldn't be found, the prophets just assumed that God had transported him to another location. Let's have a look at that in 2 Kings. It says, then they said to him, uh, they said to Elisha, um, and this is when Elijah disappeared. Actually, he'd been transported to, to up to heaven. Look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master. Lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him on some mountain or into some valley. Now, if I went missing, you probably wouldn't say, well, God's probably taken him to, to Russia supernaturally. You know, why would they even say that? It can only be that this happened often in Elijah's life. In fact, on this occasion, Elijah did receive a supernatural transportation in the chariot of fire to heaven. Uh, another time, Elijah asked Obadiah, who was the king's assistant, to arrange a meeting between him and King Ahab. And Obadiah's objection, again, is very strange. He says, it shall come to pass, he says, I don't want to do this, because it will come to pass, as soon as I'm gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know, so that when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he'll kill me. What a strange objection. It can only be that this, this happened to Elijah a lot. You know, the first example of bodily transportation in the Bible actually shows us that it was through a gift of faith. It's not something you can believe for ordinarily. In Genesis 5 it says that Enoch walked with God and he was not. He suddenly disappeared for God took him. And the New Testament commentary confirms in Hebrews 11 that this was through faith, through the gift of faith. It says, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God took him. So, by faith. This gift is also seen in the New Testament with Philip to help him fulfill his ministry as an evangelist. It says, now when they come out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, caught him away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found. He was supernaturally transported to Azotus and passing through he preached in all the cities till he reached Caesarea. So Philip didn't need his private jet (laughs) because he operated in that gift of faith. These examples help to show why the gift of faith is a higher gift. The working of miracles, you see, is limited because the power has to be physically channeled through a man. 
whereas the gift of faith is much less limited because God does it apart from a man's action, although God does work through the man in terms of his faith cooperation. He's got to believe it in his heart and speak it with his mouth, but there's much less limits on, how, on what can be done with, with the gift of faith. You know, supernatural transportation, you know, you can go across, halfway across the world in a, in a split second. I don't care how much anointing to run fast, you, you can't match that. And so we need to seek God and greatly desire these three power gifts, the gift of faith, the, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. We, we need them to be in manifestation in the body of Christ in our churches. These are the signs, wonders and miracles that confirm the gospel and will cause many to turn to Christ. Let's pray like the early church did when they prayed, Lord, look on their threats, grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, gifts of healings, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's working of miracles and the gift of faith. You know, as a result of this prayer, God manifested his power in the early church. We see what happened next. It says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on them all. And it says, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women. And also a, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And so we see that they prayed for the manifestation of these power gifts. And as a result, the, the Lord did move. He anointed different ministers and different people. And through those power gifts, a great witness was made that confirmed the preaching of the gospel and caused multitudes to be healed, and more importantly, multitudes to be saved because the, those power gifts demonstrate the truth of the gospel, that Jesus is alive, and in the name of Jesus, great miracles can be done. We need to pray that. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to demonstrate his power in the church. Amen. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the Word of God to the ends of the earth. But we need your help. If you can partner with us or, or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. Prosperity is a controversial subject. But here in my book called Biblical Prosperity, I give a balanced teaching of the Word of God, that God wants to prosper us, but also the purpose of prosperity is that we can be a blessing. And so if you want a biblically balanced teaching on prosperity and how you can move in the abundance of God for your life, let me recommend this book to you on Bible prosperity. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk where you can also make a donation to our ministry. Or contact us on 01865 
515086.